Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come back again. I thank you for the new faces I see, Lord, and I thank you for those that have returned. Help us, Lord, to continue to learn how we can be taught of you, to learn from you, and to understand the truths of the Bible. I thank you for the pre-study that we talked about the last hour, and now as we talk about the actual study of the Bible, I pray that your spirit would remain here to continue to teach and to guide. Lord, fill this donkey's mouth with your words, that your name might be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first hour, for those that weren't here, uh, thank you for joining us, we're glad you're here, is that we talked about the pre-work before Bible study, and what were some of the things for those that were here that we talked about the first hour, if you remember. Okay, we talked about the importance of knowing why, uh, why study the Bible first and the importance of knowing how to study the Bible. What were some of the important reasons why it was important to know how to study the Bible? Say that again? Okay, to fight temptation, right? The, the, the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, is your main weapon against temptation. We see it in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse, well, verse 4 for sure, uh, verse 4 through 8, right around there. We see Jesus using the word of God to fight temptation. What else did we talk about? Okay, to discern between truth and error. That's right. To show yourself, to study to show yourself approved unto God, right? Because there would be heresies and false doctrines that will come into the church, and it will show those who are approved because they have studied the word of God for themselves. Anything else that you guys remember from the last hour? The importance of why we should know how to study the word of God. Who found it hard to read whose writings? Do you remember? Peter found it, said that it's, who is hard to understand? There are some things that Paul has written that are hard to be understood. And so we need to take our time with the word of God, right? There's no need to rush things, but to take your time to study it properly, to know whether or not we are, are understanding truth and being taught of God. Uh, what were the, some of the last two things that we talked about in the last hour? Say that again. Okay, to be approved, good. We talked about being approved unto God. Uh, who, who will understand truth? What were some of the, 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 the aspects that we talked about for those that will understand truth? Okay, to lay aside preconceived opinions and be willing to learn what does God say, amen? So we need to be willing to say, okay, if God says something different than what I already think or believe, to be willing to take my preconceived opinion and to lay it aside for the word of God, amen? What else? Who will be taught of God? Say that again. Okay, e that's right. Even a fool could understand and not err therein. Good. So we do, we have, do we have to be the most educated person to understand the word of God? Not at all. God can teach who? He can teach anyone, right? Good. And one of the last things we talked about is being willing to do what? The will of God. That's right. Being willing to do the will of God, to lay aside our sins and to do the things that God says, that these are those who will be taught of God. So this hour, what we're going to talk about is the actual studying of the Word of God itself. Please turn to Isaiah 28 in your Bibles. Quick announcement, if anyone is missing a pair of reading glasses, I have a pair of reading glasses up here in the front that were left um, here, if you were here the first hour. You can get those for me afterwards, or if you need them to read your Bible, just raise your hand and I'll bring it back to you. I just don't know who they are. So we're going to Isaiah 28.
And we're going to look at verse 9 and 10. Isaiah 28, verse 9 and verse 10. Notice with me what verse 9 says. Whom shall he, speaking of God, teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Who here, who here for, wants to be taught of God? Amen. You want to understand God's doctrines, right? You want to understand God's will? We want to know these things. Well, the, the prophet here is writing down the question, who will learn these things? Who will be taught of God? Who will he teach? And the very next phrase gives us the answer. Notice the next phrase. Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. Well, what is that talking about? Anyone here grew up on a farm? Okay, never mind. I'll save that for when I preach in Arkansas or somewhere. Um, so typically, okay, what it means to be weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast is when a baby no longer is dependent upon the mother for guess what? For milk. That the mother has to wean the baby off to slowly get the baby to stop depending upon her for food and to get their own what? Food. Because what will happen if the baby never learns to get their own food? What happens if the mother dies? What will happen to the baby? Why? Because it doesn't know how to feed it, it's, itself. I heard a, a man give a beautiful illustration of this thought with an actual baby, a human baby. Anyone here have a baby or a little baby niece or a little baby nephew or babies coming in the family or you just ever seen a baby before? Okay, good. <laughs> that got some hands moving. Okay, so we've seen babies. Now, um, let's compare you with the baby. If a baby wanted to eat, who do they need, what do they need to take place? If a baby wants to eat, Okay, it cries. Why does it cry? It's hungry, and what is it waiting for? Okay, so what if I choose not to feed the baby? I'll have a headache, sure. Um, but what would happen to the baby? It can die, because it needs. it's dependent upon someone to do what? To feed it. Now, what about you? What if I decided not to give you... What if you showed up at lunch today to get your little sandwich plate? And I said, you know what? You're not getting a sandwich plate today. Uh, what's going to happen to you? Say that louder. In other words, she'll feed who? She'll feed herself. She'll just go over to where I went and get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich from someone else who brought their own food, right? In other words, if you don't feed your, if someone doesn't feed you, you are more than capable to feed yourself. But a baby is not. A baby is 100% dependent upon someone to do the feeding for them, correct? Here in this verse, it says that what? Who will he teach and who will understand? Those that are weaned from the milk, that are drawn from the breast. In other words, those that are not dependent upon someone else to feed them. I'll say it one more time. So what is Isaiah 20 verse 9 talking about? Who will understand doctrine? Who will be taught of God? It's simple. Those that are weaned from human dependency to teach them. In other words, they're not dependent upon someone else to feed them, um, but they're willing to feed themselves. Now, does that mean it's bad for someone to feed you? If I said that I was going to give you free Thai food, would you be sad? Would you be like, Anthony, I feed myself. Thank you very much. I don't want your free food, right? So maybe you don't like Thai food. Just put in your favorite food, whatever it is. Uh, you, would you say, no, I don't accept your free food? 
Vanessa's like, no, not at all. I would eat it in a heartbeat, right? Okay, I would too, just so you know. So if you want to offer me free food, I'd be more than happy to accept it. I love food. Here it's not saying that you can't be taught from someone else or that you can't receive from someone else, but it's saying that you shouldn't be dependent on someone else. Do you see the difference? It's one thing to be willing to learn from your pastor. It's one thing to depend entirely of your, for your spiritual food upon your pastor. In other words, you've got to learn how to feed yourself from the Word of God. Verse 10. How do I do that? What are some principles um, that help me with that? Verse 10 helps us with that. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little and what? Very little. Now, this is an important verse when it comes to studying the Bible because I believe that the Bible teaches us how to study the Bible. I believe that God in inspiration has helped us so that we don't have to devise our own means. So according to this verse, how do we study the Bible? You tell me. Precept upon precept, and then what? Line upon line, okay, there's a little bit louder, and then? Here a little and there a little. Have you ever been in the Bible study where you go from one place in the Bible to another place in the Bible to another place in the Bible? And anyone ever think why we're doing that? Anyone ever think that? Like, why are we jumping around the Bible? Remember, for those that weren't here in the first seminar, I've only been an Adventist Christian for five years. Before that, I was agnostic. And when I first started studying the Bible, I was confused why we weren't starting in the front of the book and reading to the back. Why were we jumping around? Why are we moving from place to place? It didn't make sense to me. It was contrary to how I knew how to read. But notice verse 10. It says, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and? In other words, comparing Scripture with Scripture. It's a biblical concept right here. If anyone ever asks you when you're giving them a Bible study, why in the world are you going from this scripture to this scripture to this scripture? You simply come to this verse and show them. Who will, remember the context, who will he teach and who will understand? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. In other words, let me rephrase it. Who will understand the Bible? Those that aren't dependent upon humans, but compare precept with precept, line upon line, and here little and there little. Do you see the thought of the prophet there? It's a really simple thought. It's one who understands that the, they can learn themselves straight from the what? The Word of God comparing Scripture with Scripture. Anyone here ever studied the book of Daniel before, like a Revelation seminar or the book of Revelation before? Okay, you do that heavily, right? You want to know what a beast is? You find out what did the Bible say a, a beast is, right? In the last seminar today, we'll, we'll, we'll apply all these things and we'll practice them a little bit. So we see here in verse 10 that when it comes to the actual study of the Bible itself, we shouldn't be dependent upon man, but we can be dependent upon God straight from the Word of God, comparing Scripture with Scripture to understand for ourselves. Look at chapter 29 of Isaiah. Isaiah 29, 11 through 14. Isaiah 29, verse 11 through 14. Excuse me. I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong slide. Okay, Isaiah 29, starting in verse 11. Notice with me what the Bible says here. And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is, what's that word? Learned, saying, read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, 
for it is what? It is sealed. So I want you to kind of use your imaginations. God gave us an imagination for a reason. So you have a man, and he has a book. And what's the condition of the book? It's sealed. And he, he wants to know what's in the book, right? So what does he do? He runs to someone who is what? Learned, and asks him to do what? To read it, because it is. But he says, I can't, because it's. See, in other words, the learned person is telling this other person that's obviously not learned because he's going to the learned person. Um, I'm in the same boat as you are. It's what? It's sealed. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 12. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not what? I am not learned. So the man first runs to the learned man and says, Read it. And the guy says, I can't because it's what? It's sealed. So then he says, fine, if the learned can't do it, I'll go to the who? The unlearned. And maybe he'll read it. And what does he say? I'm not. The person who wants to know what's in the book, what is he doing? Say that again. It's good. He's trying to find a way. For those that were here the first hour, I love feedback. I'm more of teaching, not preaching. So you can definitely throw it out and it's all right. So good. That's a good, good answer. But think about what we just read in Isaiah 28. Who will learn doctrine? Those that are not what? Okay, what's happening in Isaiah 29 now? Who is he depending upon giving him understanding? He's totally depending upon other people. Instead of sitting down and asking God to unseal the book and to give him understanding, he's just running to who? Who is the best scholar in the church? Who is the greatest pastor? Who knows the Greek and the Hebrew? Who knows these things? Teach me, please. And here it says that this is not the way it should be. Continue reading, verse 13. Wherefore, because of this, the Lord said, For as much as his people draws near to me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of who? Of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Do you see here that the issue was not that the person wanted to know, but the issue was that the person was simply dependent upon someone else to do their teaching? And when you depend upon another man to teach you, you're now living by every word that proceeds from the mind of a man than every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that is a dangerous place to be. Who wants to live by the word of God, amen? amen? And not the mind of another man, right? Now, is that to say that the man is always wrong? No, I met very godly people who have studied to show themselves approved, and I love to dialogue with them about the scriptures and to learn from them. I'm not trying to create a self-sufficient mind where you're unwilling to learn from someone else. But when someone teaches me, or teaches you, we ought to together be willing to go to the Bibles to test and see whether that thing is really true according to the Bible and not just to take it at face value because of who they are. Amen? So when it comes to studying the Bible, we need to do line upon line, precept upon precept. Now, what is one of the things that we should be looking for when we study the Bible? Anyone here ever play Where's Waldo? What are you looking for when you read Where's Waldo? You're looking for Waldo. Anyone here ever go on uh, a treasure hunt before? Or a scavenger hunt? What, do, you, do you just randomly go scrounging around stuff? Or do you know what you're looking for? You know what you're looking for or else you'll never what? 
you'll probably never find what you're looking for because you didn't know that you were... Did you know there's something specific you're supposed to look for when you look in the Bible? Go to John 5.39. You know, when we study the Word of God, we should have this in our minds, uh, this idea that I'm actually intentionally looking for something. Because when you're actually intentionally looking for something, you may just find it. And it will be a blessing to your soul when you see what it is. John 5.39. The Bible says in John 5.39, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of who? Of me. So Jesus is telling them, look, you search the scriptures, you search the word of God, and because of that, you think you have what? Eternal life. And these are they which testify of who? Me. When you search the Bible, what should you be looking for? You should be looking for Jesus. If that's all you knew when you were studying the Bible, it, you know I love the book of Revelation, it's one of my favorite books. And what I love to do in Revelation is I love to look for revelations of Jesus there. Uh, I love prophecy. I love, I love trumpets. I love dates. I'm very logical. That's how I became an Adventist was through prophecies and the dates and everything matched up so perfectly. But what I've learned really feeds my soul is when I study these things in the light of the character of God and in light of knowing Jesus more. When you're actually intentionally looking for Jesus, you just might find him. How many of you want to find Jesus? You know, the illustration I gave, where is Waldo? You know who Waldo is, and you look for Waldo, and, you, and eventually you look until you find him. When you study a passage of Scripture, treat it the same, but instead of Waldo, let it be Christ. And when you study that passage of Scripture, don't stop studying it until you understand how that passage reveals the love of God in Jesus Christ. Because once you understand the passage in that light and in that context, that passage will become even more precious to your soul. So the first principle is we must compare line upon line and precept upon precept, which means compare Scripture with what? Scripture with Scripture. And what are we looking for with these Scriptures? Who are we looking for? We're looking for Christ in the Bible. Amen. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. Does anyone have a steps to Christ on them? If someone can hand me a Steps to Christ, I would greatly appreciate that. That works. Oh, thank you. We're going to Isaiah chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 20. And I'm going to, multi I'm going to attempt to multitask here. I hear that gentlemen are not really good at it. Let's see if it's true or not. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, while I'm going to Steps to Christ, chapter 10, I believe. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. Can I have someone with a nice, loud, booming voice be willing to read that for me? All right. So to the law and to the testimonies. testimonies. If they are not speaking according to this, there is no what? There is no light. So... If I come to a conclusion of what I think is truth, what should I compare it with? I should compare it with the rest of the Bible. I should compare it with the rest of the scriptures. How many of you are familiar with the rich man and Lazarus parable? You're right? 
I had the privilege of Bible working in Modesto, California, Turlock, California, um, Watsonville, and, and Salinas. And when I Bible worked in these areas, guess what parables seem to just keep popping up at people's houses? The rich man and Lazarus. And they would read me this parable and say, Anthony, because of this one parable, there must be an eternal burning hellfire. Don't you see it in the, in the verse? And I would ask them, have they studied this in the context of the rest of the Bible? Have they read anything else besides the parable on the subject? And they, most of them, guess what they said? No, I haven't. And I said, well, before we study the parable, before we even began to break down the parable, I said, let's just read some verses. And so I went through about 10 or, 10 or so passages on um, annihilation or on what happens at the, you know, the executive judgment when Christ comes back and biblical hellfire, I guess, if you want to call it that, on what really takes place, how they become ashes under the soles of your feet, that they will be no more, and these different things. And we read all the other passages, and guess what? Before we even got to the parable, guess what happened to their minds? We read the parable, they're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. If the wicked are destroyed, how, how come he's here burning? And I would ask them, does the Bible contradict? And what do they say? No. The Bible doesn't contradict. And I'm like, are these other verses plain? And they would say, yes, they're very plain. They're very understandable. And I would, I would remind them, that we must read the entire Bible on a subject to understand what the Bible teaches. Now let's study the parable, and they will be open to understanding what the parable really teaches. Now, if I would have jumped right into the parable, what could have happened? They could have just held on to their preconceived opinion or their idea because they're seeing it with special eyeglasses. They see it a certain way, but when you realize that you need to compare Scripture with Scripture, thought with thought, and compare your conclusion, your own personal conclusion from your own devotions, when you come to a conclusion in the Bible— you can then compare it with the rest of the scriptures to make sure it's in harmony with the law and the prophets. Amen? And that's just a very safe technique. So we're looking at principles of studying the Bible. One of them is comparing scripture with scripture. Another one is looking for Christ in the scriptures themselves, trying to understand his character, how the verses reveal the love of God. And the third one that we just talked about is when we come to a conclusion, we need to compare it with other scriptures to make sure that it doesn't contradict what God says. Now, I grabbed the steps to Christ because I wanted to go to chapter 10 and read you a paragraph on the previous point about finding Jesus. In Steps to Christ, page 90, which is in chapter 10 under the title Knowledge of God, we're told in inspiration, there is but little benefit derived from a hasty reading of the scriptures. One may read the whole Bible through and yet fail to see its beauty or comprehend its depths and hidden meaning. How many of you have met someone that has read the Bible like uh, many, many times, and it appears as though they, they don't live, they live as though they've never read it once? Anyone? I meet people at the doors. I meet atheists, and they tell me, I've read it 20 times. I've read it cover to cover 20 times. How many times have you read the Bible? And I'm like, cover to cover? Let me just walk away from this door, right? And I realized, and I remember praying, Lord, how can it be, especially the day I met the man that read it like 20 times, how could it be that he's read it 20 times and doesn't know you? It didn't make sense to me. And then I read this quote one day and I realized, oh, it makes sense. He just hastily read right through it. And he didn't dig deep. And therefore he didn't understand. And also, if you're here for the pre-work, remember the, prep, the, the last seminar, you might understand why he didn't understand either. 
that there is a condition as well. But it goes on to say, one passage studied until its significance is clear to the mind and its relation to the plan of salvation is evident is of more value than the perusal of many chapters with no definite purpose in view and no positive instruction gained. In other words, when you study the word of God, each scripture, each passage, somehow is connected to the plan of salvation or redemption. Now, I know some of us are thinking of some passages right now, and you're thinking, how in the world? I have no idea. Exactly, because we don't understand those passages as we should. And I'm in the same boat. But when we study these passages with a purpose, with a definite aim, then we're, we have something to shoot for. Then we have something we're looking for, and then God has something to reveal to us. Amen? So continue to search for God. Continue to seek to understand the things of God. Go with uh, me. You can write down for those that are taking notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 29 to 33. That's another one showing that, uh, that you must compare it with the rest of the Bible, that the prophets are subject to the prophets. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29 to 33. And that goes for the spirit of prophecy as well. It is to be understood in the context of the things that are taught in the scriptures. For, that was again First uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen twenty nine to thirty three. Now we're going to go to my one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Are you ready for this? This is my favorite default verse. I love this verse because I get so many questions from so many people, and we're going to go to Deuteronomy twenty nine verse twenty nine. And I have my own questions. I'll be honest. Do I know everything? Not at all. Not even close. I'm still a baby in this movement. I'm still a very young kid. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. But this verse has helped my mind. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. I'll wait till the trees of life, the leaves from the trees of life stop moving. You guys know the Bible is the tree of life to your soul, right? Amen. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The Bible says, The secret things belong unto who? The Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. Question, will you understand everything? Are you content with that? That's a hard one for me, I'll be honest. Who here wants to know everything? Let's be honest, right? I want to know. I, I'm like, especially these minor prophets, I really want to know. But there are some things that I will not what? Understand. But that which is needful for me will be what? Understood. Will be revealed. That's right. In other words, will God ever not teach you something that you need for your salvation? Not at all, right? God will not hold back that which is needful for you, but there are some things that we honestly will just not fully understand until we're walking with Jesus by the rivers and the tree of life, and he's teaching us these things. And he says, you remember that parable I gave to my disciples? And you thought you fully understood that parable? And he'll say something like, yeah, that's exactly how I taught it. He'll be like, well, that was correct. But did you ever catch this part of that passage? And you're just going to be like, whoa, totally missed it. Anyone here read a passage more than once and realize you missed something the first time through? Or the first ten times through? You know, I think it'll be like that when we get to heaven when Jesus teaches us the truths of who he is. We're just going to feel like we totally missed the boat. But that which was needful, we can understand from the word of God. So we won't understand everything, 
but that which is needful will be understood. Go with me to Job chapter 23, verse 12. So this is under the section called study. And we're going to be wrapping this section up, but we're not done with the seminar time. So we'll just bleed over into the next one, which is good because the next one takes the most time. It's where we actually practice and apply these things. Job 23, verse 12. I pray that this would be all of our experience. We began with the first seminar with Jeremiah 15, verse 16, which said, Thy words were found, and I did, do you guys remember? Eat them. Job 23, verse 12. The Bible reads, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my what? Necessary food. The word of God is so precious, my friends. There is so much there. And if all you did was compare scripture with scripture, looking for Christ, asking for the spirit to be your teacher and your guide, and be willing to do the will of God, you will grow so much so fast from the Bible. You can be learned and taught from God. And he wants you to come into the experience where this is more important than your what? Necessary. Can I tell you a funny story? I first read that verse about three and a half years ago. I was still a younger Christian than I am today. I'm still young. And I remember reading that verse, and I remember praying at night, Lord, let that be my experience. The next day, my alarm didn't work. And I woke up late for work. And I had to get to work. And my stomach told me, guess what? Before you go to work, you should do what? But my mind said, before you go to work, you should what? Well, it said I should eat too, but it was the word of, the word of God. And I came to this, I remember it was so hilarious, I came to this class the next day, and I was sitting there looking at the loaf of bread and peanut butter, and I was looking at my Bible. And I said, am I going to haste through devotions just to get to the bread before I have to get to work? And I remember I said, Lord, help me to really esteem the word of, the fact that I questioned it, I was like, nope, I don't esteem your word as I should. And I said, I read my Bible that day, and I went to work, and God provided my strength that I needed. But guys, God wants us to come to the point where this book these words are more precious than even our necessary food. It didn't say your convenient food. It didn't say the food that fills you up. It said your necessary food. That's the food that is needful. That means empty stomach. Would you starve in the time of trouble for the word of God? Or would you sell out the word of God for a bite to eat? That's what God wants us to come to. And as you study it more, and as you find Jesus in it more, and as you just spend time doing it, Guys, the best way to learn is just to, guess what? Just dive right in. Just start to study the Word of God. We're going to make it practical in the next seminar. But to just dive right in, study the Word of God for yourself. And the more you study it, the more you see Jesus, the more and the more and the more you will enjoy and appreciate the things in this book until you would die for the truths found in this book. I think of the people in Africa. If you were to go to the, the people from a concentration camp or the people in Africa, people where there's a famine in the land and they're really skinny, would it do them much benefit to give them a big all-you-can-eat buffet? Not at all. What would happen to them if they just feasted on a buffet and kept eating? They actually would die. You have to feed them how much? A little bit, and then a little more, and then a little more. And you see, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. Some of us, when we, if you're new to the Word of God, don't think you have to be a Navy SEAL and spend five hours in the Word of God tomorrow when you wake up. 
it may not be your stomach, your spiritual stomach may not handle it. You know what you can eat. You know how much you can partake. Just start eating. Even if it's a little morsel a day. Know Jesus a little bit more. Just a little bit. 15 minutes. Maybe 15 minutes again. Next thing you know, it may turn to 30 minutes. To an hour. To the point where you're like, oh, I have to leave my devotions again. I've been here for like an hour and I have to leave because I have things to do. And you just carry your devotions with you throughout the whole day in your mind because you're just so connected with God. That's what he wants your relationship with him to be through his word. But let it start. If it's a little bit, don't, don't be bad on yourself. I started with 10 minutes a day and I get headaches because I wasn't used to reading. But it can grow and it can become strong for the glory of God. Is that your desire, amen? Amen. With that, I'm going to go right over into the next section called methods. So if you want to write down methods, go ahead and write down methods. I want to pray for that decision you just made right now. Let me ask it one more time. Who wants that to be their relationship with God through his word to where it can grow and strengthen, even if it's one bite at a time today or whether you're already even eating a full three-course meal for breakfast every day with God? How many of you want to start taking it more seriously the time you spend with God in the morning through the word? Amen? Let's pray for that commitment. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask that you would please help us. Our promises are as ropes of sand. They fail us every time. But Lord, your promise, your word is sure and it endureth forever. So we ask, Lord, that you would please grant us your spirit. Wake us up in the morning. Help us to spend that time applying these principles, Lord, of just opening up your word, spending a little bit of time, scripture here and a scripture there, to look and to find more of Jesus. Please bless us to this end and be with us as we continue this seminar. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll, be, we'll go ahead and start because I don't want to throw the seminar timing off because there's other seminars. Someone may be going to the next one or someone may be joining. So we'll just go into the next one and then uh, we'll transition. Methods of study. Now this one I really enjoy. Okay, here we go. Methods of Bible study. What is one of the most beneficial ways to study the Bible? If I told you that there was a most beneficial way, who here would want to know it? Now, I can tell you lots of ways, but I'm not talking about any way. I said the most what? Beneficial way. Let's see what inspiration says. In daily study, the what? The verse-by-verse method. Pause really quick. Who here has heard of that method before? Uh, Okay, a few of us. Good. This will be good. The verse-by-verse method is often the most what? Helpful. Who here wants to do the the type of Bible study that is the most helpful to you, that that God has said? Amen? All right. Let the student take... Okay, so the question is, what is the verse-by-verse method? Let one student take how many verses? Guys, that's not easy. I'll be honest. When I'm reading one verse, I can't wait to get to the next verse, especially in Revelation. I just want to get, I just want to know. But sometimes we need to be patient with ourselves. How many verses? One verse. And concentrate the mind on ascertaining the thought that God has put into that verse for him. So in other words, I pick how many verses? One verse. And I concentrate the what? The mind for what purpose? 
to ascertain the thought that is found where? That God has placed in that verse. Okay, so one verse at a time. I'm going to focus the mind and concentrate the mind to understand what is the thought in this one verse. And what next? So once you get the thought, and then dwell upon the thought until it becomes his own. Many times when we study the Bible, and I am so guilty of this, it is, it is not a good thing. We learn something new and we say, praise God, that was powerful. We close the Bible, we put everything away, and we go through our day. But we don't take time to dwell upon the thing we just learned, to think about it. My friend, he uses a beautiful word. It's called marinate. Let the thought of God marinate your mind. Think about the thought until the thought becomes his own. You remember that passage, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus? Who wants the mind of Christ? If you have the minds of Christ, then you have the thoughts of who? Have you ever understand how, you're gonna, how God is going to work that through you? When you think about God's thoughts, so much eventually they'll become your what and now you have the thoughts of god because you think so much the way the bible writes because you dwelt so much upon it that your mind naturally runs in the channel of the things that god has said it's a beautiful concept one passage thus studied until its significance is clear is of more value than the perusal of many chapters with no definite purpose in view and no positive instruction gained should we have a purpose when we study the Bible? We should. Should we just read the Bible like shooting in the dark, trying to hit a target? Not at all. We should have a, a purpose, a positive aim. And what was one thing we talked about just a minute ago that we can shoot for and look for? We can look for Christ and the plan of redemption, the plan of salvation. That's right. So the verse-by-verse -verse method, you guys want to try it? Turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read a passage of scripture for you. It's only three verses. <clears throat> it's not too long. But I just want you to listen to these verses. We're starting in Mark 1. We're going to read verse 41. I'm sorry. Verse 40 to 42. Mark 1, verse 40 to 42. The Bible reads, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him if thou will you can make me clean and jesus moved with compassion put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him i will be thou clean and as soon as he had spoken immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed 43 and he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away and saith unto him see thou say nothing to any man but go thy way Show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Is that a beautiful passage? Powerful passage, right? Who came to Christ? A leper. And how did Jesus heal him? That's what I hoped you would say. Let's go back to verse 40. You see, well, before we look at, before we read, don't read ahead. Can I get your attention really quick? Before we read. So, I almost heard unanimously the word what? Touch. Now we're going to practice the verse-by-verse -verse method and see what happens when we take it verse at a time, ascertain the thought, and see what we can get out of this passage. 
So if we just read it quickly like I did, and I read it kind of quick intentionally, just so you know. Yes, I'm sorry I set you up. Um, but what it does is we, we learn that Christ healed a what? A leper. Is that powerful to know? That's powerful to know. But watch how better, much more you get out of it when you go slow. Verse 40, again. And there came a leper unto him, besieging him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. So now we're going to practice this. We're taking how many verses? One verse at a time. And then we're going to concentrate the mind to understand the what? The thought that God has put into the verse for him. Here we go. How can I understand what's in the verse? Can I teach you something really simple? Ask a question that only the verse can answer. Let me, let me practice. Who came to Jesus? Um, verse 40. Uh, what did the leper do? Okay, beseeched him and kneeled down. What did the leper say to him? Okay. This sounds ele- elementary, but it's where we need to start. What do I see when I see this? I see a leopard coming and kneeling down and beseeching and pleading at the feet of Christ. How many of us do that when we come to Jesus? Okay, next verse. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. What did Jesus do? Okay, so Jesus was moved with compassion, right? And then what did he do? And, and then what did Jesus say? Okay, so I'll say it again. What did he do? He touched him, but what did he say? Be thou clean. Okay, so we see that, hmm, Jesus was moved with compassion. He touched the man, but then he also spoke to the man. Okay, so Jesus is doing a couple things here, right? We're just, we're getting, the, we're seeing what the scripture says for itself. And I'm doing this kind of fast because I was giving my warning on my minutes. Okay, verse 41. Verse 42. I'm sorry. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. When did the leprosy depart from him? When he what? Spoke. Not when he what? Touched them, but when he, because when God speaks, it happens. See, when I take it verse at a time, I see, wait a minute. As soon as God speaks, how long till it takes to happen? Immediately. The verse says immediately. So I see that, wait, when Jesus speaks, it happens. When he said cleanse, the leper was cleansed. When he says, Anthony, you're forgiven, then I must be what? Forgiven. Do you see the beauty if you understand that when God speaks, it happens? But then why did Jesus touch him? Say that again. In the previous verse, it said that he was filled with what? Who touches a leper? In that time, who would ever touch a leper? Now, we don't know. I don't see how long he's been a leper here, but let's say he's been a leper for many years. That's many years of never touching what? And here's what Jesus does. This man comes and says, can you heal me? And Jesus comes up to the leper. And when he has his leprosy still, he touches him. And I can imagine the leper just thinking, what are you doing? I'm a leper. I'm unclean. You shouldn't touch me. 
But Jesus is showing him the heart of God when he does. And he says, I love you so much, I will touch even the leper. Oh, and by the way, be thou clean. And what if he healed him first and then touched him? This would have been a good story. But do you see the power? Do you see the love of God in the verse now? Wow, when he, he touched him because he was moved with compassion, he loved him so much. And then he healed him. Exactly. It's as if he healed the soul first and then healed the body next. Do you see how when you take it verse by verse, slowly, just asking simple questions, how you see something in the verse you would have totally missed? Right there, you see the love and compassion of an infinite God poured out for a leper and the power of his word in two verses. You can do a sermon with those two verses right there. In fact, you can do a sermon per verse right there. They are so powerful. Guys, thought by thought is the most beneficial, is the most helpful method of Bible study. Thought by thought, seeking to understand the heart of God. Amen? Let's go ahead and... I was given my five-minute warning. I, am I one minute? Okay, let's go ahead and I'll pray and dismiss because I don't want to start one minute and have to stop in the middle of a thought. So we'll pray, we'll dismiss, and then if you guys can be, meet back here for those that will be returning, at 4.30 we'll resume. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the chance to study your word. Please, dear Heavenly Father, I speak for myself, Lord. Slow my mind down. Help me as I study your Bible to be willing to, to just go verse by verse, thought by thought, and really seek to understand more of the heart of my Father who loves me. Uh, please bless us to this end. Bless my friends to this end as they study the scriptures and show themselves approved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.